Last week we began examining a little more closely the description of love found in 1 Corinthians 13 as part of a a series that we're doing this summer on love real. Last week we focused on that portion of the verse that says love is patient and I discovered as people went out the door on Sunday and as people interacted with me during the week that evidently impatience is a big deal for a lot of you that you really struggle with the issue of patience. I had one guy that went out the door and said, you know what, Pastor, that was an awful big boat we climbed into today. And I think that's true. I think patience is one of the issues that we struggle with. Now, I'm not going to go back and review and rehash, but I will let you know that we will be happy to get you a copy of the CD if you'd like that, to listen to it. You can also go online uh, to our church website, Go to the sermon audio link, and there you'll find a link to the messages. Really, all of our messages for the last couple of years are, are up there. And so if you'd like kind of a refresher course, you can do that. If you haven't heard it and would like to, so you can be part of the entire series, we encourage you to do that. But today we're going to move on to something that, at least on the surface, sounds a little simpler. And that is the next portion of that verse, which says, love is kind. Kindness sounds so simple. It sounds kind of preschool, doesn't it? I mean, elementary. Love is kind. When we hear that, we may think of expressions like, why can't we all just get along? Or I wish people would just be a little bit nicer. But if it were that easy, we'd all do it. And the world would be a kinder place. The reality is a little bit different. It seems that every day you encounter people who are coarse, abrasive, and mean-spirited. And that may happen before you leave the house. And, And then we get caught up in it. And we become part of the unkind. People who are coarse, abrasive, and mean-spirited. Some kind of weird thing happens. We, we, we deal with challenging people and frustrating circumstances, and it turns us from being a kindly Dr. Jekyll into a surly Mr. Hyde. I think that's common to all of us. Unkindness, however, is not to be the default position for followers of Jesus Christ. If we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, then we can't simply settle for saying, well, I'm impatient, and that's just me. Or I'm unkind and that's just me. Instead, we need to discover how we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus, including the area of kindness. How we can become kind people. We want to begin to take a step on that journey today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes. Open our hearts that we might understand, perceive, receive your word, and that it might change us from the inside out. We know it's a process. There's no magic bullet. There's no overnight pill that we can take. But, Lord, we are committed to follow this journey of love so that it would be said of us that we love real. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We typically think of being kind as simply being nice. Nice, however, is a word that is more of a 
sentiment and can sometimes be an empty sentiment. We think of nice as being polite. Nice is a term we use of people who are quiet, withdrawn, who don't stir up trouble. Nice is generic. Nice is safe. Nice is sweet. But is nice the same thing as kind? I don't think so. Not when we're talking about biblical kindness. And so let's consider what kindness is in Scripture. Kindness comes from a Greek root word meaning to provide what is needed. Well, that's a little different than our definition of kind, isn't it? But when you get back to the root of the word, that's what it means, to provide what is needed. It means to provide with pure motivation what is beneficial for another. Now think about that for a moment. Our motivation matters if we're being kind. Otherwise, we're being disingenuous. Otherwise, we're just putting on a show. And so our motivation matters. What's in our heart matters when we respond to people. But we're to respond to them for their benefit. Now, we're going to get into a little bit later exactly what their benefit means. But keep this definition in mind. Also, kindness is active goodwill toward others. Not passive. Active. If we were to sum it all up, we could say this. Kindness is not a passive sentiment, but genuine love expressing itself in active goodness. Now, you don't have to take notes on this. As a matter of fact, I'd have to stop and spell it for you, and we're not going to stop and spell it. But the word for kind is crestuomai. And I found an interesting note in the theological lexicon of the New Testament. In the second century, the example of Christian love was so stunning to pagans that they referred to Christians not as Christiani, which would have been a follower of Jesus, but as Christiani, which would be those who show kindness. Now, why is this important? Because people who followed Jesus were not only known as wearing Christian as a label, they were known as people who showed kindness. That's a stunning example to the world in that time of what it meant to follow Jesus. It actually had an impact on your ethics. Wouldn't that be amazing if when people followed Jesus, it actually changed changed the way they lived? And in that time, it happened. And the pagan world was stunned when they looked at Christians and saw that here were people that they formerly knew as mean-spirited, as abrasive, and as coarse, but who were now kind and compassionate. So much so that they labeled them as such. Now, if the world were to stick a label on the church, would it be people who show kindness? Let's think about our community. When people think of Grace Fellowship, do they think about a people who show kindness? Let's bring it a little closer to home. When people think about you, do they think about a person who shows kindness? If not, maybe we can change the direction of that ship a little bit today. We want to begin to discover some biblical truths about kindness and then figure out how we can apply those to our lives. And so the first truth is this. Kindness follows the example of God himself. That's a good place to start. If we want to be more like God, then kindness 
will naturally follow. In Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, we read this. At one time, this is Paul talking about believers now. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Every time I read these verses, I'm absolutely floored at the love, grace, mercy, and kindness that God has shown to us. He would have been absolutely justified to do what he did in the days of Moses. At any point, God would be utterly justified to look down at the world that has become so corrupt and that has completely forgotten him and just say, you know what, I think I'm going to wipe them all out. Just start over. God would be absolutely justified to do that. And yet when he looks down upon the world, he does not look upon the world and look upon us with hatred. But instead, as we learned very simply as a young child in John 3.16, God loved the world. God loved the world. He looked down and he saw sinful, broken humanity. And instead of reacting in a cruel, callous, hateful way, which he would be fully justified to do, being a holy God, instead he looked upon us with love and he responded in kindness. God sets the example for us of responding to other people with kindness. Now remember what we said about kindness. It is not a passive sentiment, but genuine love expressing itself in active goodness. And this is what the Lord showed to us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I am so grateful for this. I, maybe, maybe occasionally on Saturday morning when you're kind of getting a slow start, you may have someone knock the door, knock on your door, or ring your doorbell, and immediately what you're trying to do is just you, you kind of go look in the mirror and you do the best you can. Because in the morning my hair is, it's like I had a party all night. And it's just, I mean, it's just all over the place. And it stays that way. Other people's hair just kind of falls back down. Mine just kind of hangs around out there. It, if you've ever seen the pictures of the astronauts when they're up in orbit, when they don't have a helmet on, what, what their hair does, that's what I look like in the morning with much more limited hair, but at least that's what happens. And so when someone comes in early on Saturday morning, kind of go to the mirror, kind of trying to smooth it out a little bit, you know, see what I've got on and, and before I go to the door. I've got to fix myself up a little bit before I present myself. A lot of us think that's what we have to do with God. That when God shows up, we've got to somehow fix ourselves up so that we're presentable before God. But the Bible says that while we were still in our sin, absolutely submerged and lost in our sin, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to fix ourselves up because he'd be waiting forever. Because we can't fix ourselves up. And so this is what God has done for us. This is how God responded to us. And then I like what John writes in 1 John 4. He says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Because he has been kind to us, because he has poured out his love and compassion on us when we didn't deserve it. We 
are to do the same. If we could sum this up, we'd say this. God has every right to condemn us, and yet he showed us kindness. And if we're to reflect his heart, then kindness must flow from us. Second point. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we said this also of patience last week. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What if you are by nature a crusty old curmudgeon? What if, what if kindness is not your first response to people? What if your heart is sometimes a little callous and hard and you respond way too often with an abrasive word or action? Is there any hope for a person like you? Well, the good news is there is. Because what we discover is just as becoming patient is a process that the Holy Spirit initiates and continues in us, so too is becoming kind. It is something the Holy Spirit begins in us and continues in us. It is a process of making us more like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, we got that last week. Kindness, exact same word, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what the Holy Spirit is producing in you. This is what God is trying to do in your life. This is what he is trying to make you look like and respond like. Now, we may not naturally be kind, but the good news is we can supernaturally Become kind. Allow the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in you. Receive his work of creating kindness in you and then begin to apply what you have received. You do not have to generate this out of willpower. This comes from spiritual power. We just need to work with him and not against him. The third truth that we can learn about biblical kindness is that kindness is extended even to the undeserving. Have you ever noticed it's easy to be kind to people who are also kind? It's easier to be kind to people who are trying to do the right thing in life. It's easier to be kind to those who are responsible, hardworking, and well-intentioned. But folks, we live in the real world. Remember what we read a few moments ago in Titus 3, 5. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We do not deserve what God has given to us. We do not deserve the kindness of God. We've done nothing to earn it. Now it's true, you may not be as bad as the person sitting next to you here. Why are you looking around? You may not be as bad as the next person. But that doesn't mean that you deserved the goodness, the grace, the mercy that God has shown to us. You see, his response to us is motivated by what's in his heart, not because we des- what we deserve. His response is motivated by what's in his heart, 
not because of what we deserve. Remember, if we're to have this same kind of love, then our response to others is to be motivated by what's in our hearts, not what they deserve. This is where I run into my kindness roadblock. I find it hard to be kind to those who repeat a cycle of reckless behavior, thoughtless deeds and words that not only affect themselves but affect everybody around them. I find it hard to be kind to people who are irresponsible, who are foolhardy, who take advantage of others. And I have to ask, God, do I, have to, do I really have to be kind to them? Do I really have to show this person kindness? And the answer that comes back over and over from Scripture is, yes, you do. It may be hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean I can opt out. That I can drop out. That I can skip out on this one. Kindness, as we said from the very start, is to provide with pure motivation What is beneficial for another? Consider the words of Jesus. He said, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law And the prophets. Now, I want you, if you haven't already, to indicate in your Bible some way this verse, because this is one of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in Scripture. There was a saying that went around, not only in Jewish circles, but in other religions, that what you don't want other people to do to you, don't do to them. And this is, we teach our kids this all the time. You wouldn't want your sister doing that to you, don't do it to her. We teach them all the time. But that is not what Jesus is saying. And it's true, but it's not what Jesus is saying. Look at this verse. What you would have them do to you, do to them. This verse is proactive and active. It means that you constantly have your eyes open for opportunities to show love, compassion, grace, mercy, and kindness to other people. This is an active verse. It means you're looking for opportunities to express to the world the love of God through you. We miss this so much. We are to be actively showing kindness. Now, you read this and you go, but wait a minute. I'm to be kind to everybody, even to people who are irresponsible and mean, even to people who have abused me multiple times. I'm to be kind to them. Some of you are ready to check out right now because you don't like that. Don't check out yet. Because I have one more truth I want to share. And that is this. Kindness requires discernment. Kindness requires discernment. Kindness means that you're seeking the other person's benefit. Not to give them everything they want. 
but to give them really what they need. Sometimes the best thing we can do for someone is to say no. We do it with our kids all the time. We tell our kids no. And they think it's because we are mean and heartless and cruel people. Until the next time they need something, then they come right back to us. But we know that if my 13-year-olds ask for the car keys to go out driving, we've got enough sense to say no. That's not good for you. You might enjoy it. You may think it's going to be the thrill of your life. But it's foolish. If I love you, I'm not going to give you those keys. And we do all kinds of other things and we set up barriers for our kids and we tell our kids no because we understand that by telling them yes to everything is not going to be to their ultimate benefit. And that's what kindness is about. It's that person's true benefit, not what they want or even what they think they need, but what truly will benefit them. The Bible Same Bible that says that we're to be kind and compassionate to one another. You know what it also says? Paul writes in Ephesians 4, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. It's the same Bible. It's the same inspired truth. What we're learning here is that when we show kindness, we need to do so with discernment. Understanding that we can't simply give people everything that they want or ask for or even think they need. We have to engage our brains and our hearts when we're seeking to express kindness to people. The goal of kindness is not to give people what they want, but to give them what they need. It requires true discernment. Or else what we end up doing is just providing people an opportunity to keep up the same cycle of of misbehavior and destructive behavior that they have continued. You know people just like that, maybe in your own family, who have destructive behaviors in their life. It might not be drinking, it might not be drugs, it could be any number of things. And they come to you And they ask for things. And when you don't respond in a compassionate way to give them what they want, they get angry with you and you become the problem. You become the mean one. You become the one with the issue. Can I alleviate some guilt from you this morning that you don't need to have? You do not have to take that guilt trip. Remember what kindness is. Kindness is with pure motivation, a heart of love, giving people what really benefits them. Kindness is not giving them everything they want. You wouldn't do it with your children because you know if you do, you're in for trouble later. But we end up doing it for others. Kindness is a matter of the heart and the mind. Mark Twain, whom I wouldn't count on for all your theology, 
did write something about kindness that I think is worthy of hearing. He said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. This world needs genuine kindness, biblical kindness. And if they're going to get it, it's going to come from us. And it can't simply be in our words. God bless you. Have a nice day. We need with eyes open, with hearts engaged, and with minds in the own position to be looking out into our world and saying, God, how can I this day show kindness and compassion so that when people think of me, a follower of Jesus, They think of a person who's kind. When they think of grace fellowship in this community, they think of a church that is kind. We can only do this as we are driven forward by the Holy Spirit. Because the same Holy Spirit who will provide for us patience will also provide for us kindness and the discernment to use it. This, my friends, if you haven't discovered over the last two weeks, is a spiritual journey. You can go to a lot of places, read a lot of self-help books, and go to a lot of self-help seminars if you just want to come away with a notebook full of things and how to feel better about yourself. That's not what I'm here for. This word is intended to change your heart, your life. In fact, it's intended to change the world. But it will only happen if it begins with you.